Welcome to Not Enough Champagne, a podcast that knows which side it's on. If you've been paying attention to US politics, you might have seen that there's been a bit of an industrial scuffle happening at an Amazon warehouse in Alabama. Workers have been attempting to unionise and have been met with fierce resistance, including some dirty tactics from Amazon itself. So in the United States, unions are one of the major discussions happening right now, with the president of the USA himself, Joe Biden, coming out and backing workers' rights to organise. In the UK, a place where historically trade unions have been a lot more important, unions don't seem to be making many, if any, political waves. In this week's episode of Not Enough Champagne, we're diving into the state of trade unions in the UK and asking the question of whether or not trade unions are relevant anymore. Once again, listeners, you will note that I, Steve, am doing the introduction, which of course means Corey is still not with us due to uh, campaigning for the local elections. And as such, I am once again joined by a friend of the podcast, chair of the Birmingham uh, West and West Midlands Fabian Society, and someone who did an entire PhD looking at where left-wing parties get their candidates from. Spoiler alert, it isn't from trade unions anymore. It's Dr. Luke John Davies. How are you doing, LJ? <laughs> I'm good, thank you, Corey. Yeah, spoiler. Co- Corey? Corey? <laughs> My God, oh, I, I, clearly I need more caffeine. My apologies. Hi, Steve. How are you doing? Yes. Uh, right. That's how much I missed you, Corey. Let, let, let's cut the small talk and misidentifying the host that's actually present on the on the show uh, and dive Not straight involved. In. <laughs> and, and dive straight into the actual uh, topic at hand, shall we? The question really is: Are kind of like trade unions relevant to the UK right now? What, what, and if if not, why not? And what can you do to to make them relevant? So, like, what the, the first thing really to kind of look at here, uh, I thought, was to look, take a look at the the percentage of the workforce that are actually members of trade unions in some form. I only looked at, uh, looked back towards the nineties, um, where in 1995 it was around about 32. percent um, in 2019, which was the the latest figures I could find, it was around about 23%. So there's been about a 10% decline in the uh, in the in the amount of people in the workflow workforce in the past you know 15 uh, odd years or so that have been members of trade unions. So that doesn't seem like a very healthy position for the trade unions to be in at all. No, I mean, so I uh, for my PhD, I looked at. Uh, when I looked at the UK between the 1979 general election uh, up to the 2019. And uh, the highest point is the early 1980s, um, so the beginning of the Thatcher era. Um, so between 1979 and 1983, it hovers around 53 to 55%, and then drops, drops. The biggest drops actually in the early 1990s, and down to 24% in 2016, which was the the uh, most recent OECD figures at uh, the time I wrote my thesis. So we've seen a really big decline in trade union density. It's not unconnected to the fact that, you know, uh, manufacturing has declined. Although actually the decline in manufacturing is a little bit of a uh, an urban myth in some sense. We still produce an awful lot of things. We just produce it with an awful lot less people. Um, automation has, has actually been a very big thing. If you uh, look at the, the car industry, for example, you know, those big car brands, 
uh, you know, British Leyland and was, was then replaced, you know, by MG Rover and so on have gone. Um, but, you know, Jaguar and Land Rover still have factories in the West Midlands, Nissan, Toyota, uh, you know, a lot of them are re-evaluating based on, on uh, Brexit. But, you know, we still do produce a lot of cars in this country. We just produce them with robots, <laughs> frankly. So uh, some of this has been connected to the decline in the number of people working in manufacturing. Um, some of it has been linked to the way that the unions have reacted to that. Um, so, for example, uh, you see an awful lot of mergers happening um, to form big super unions. Um, Bluntly, is a survival tool, um, frankly, and that has led to to situations. So, for example, when UCAT, uh, the building union, merged with Unite, the the person put in charge of the building part of Unite had no experience in the construction uh, industry. So there's been a certain amount of own goals like that. You've also got a situation where the union model of the late 19th and 20th century doesn't work anymore because that union model is based on the control of workplaces. So if you went into a car factory at 16 as an apprentice, uh, you joined the union and then you left that car factory at 65 with a clock and you'd had the same union all the way through. Uh, same employer, same union all the way through. That is the model that trade unionism was based on in the mid 20th century because that was the model of that was work patterns. That is not the case anymore. People jump workplace every couple of years, every couple of three years. Promoting from within is less and less common in a lot of um, places. So unless your employer is the government, and this is the reason why the unions are still strong in the public sector, you know, you change employer very, very rapidly, relatively. So why would you join the union if you're going to have to, to leave it in two years time anyway? And if there is a situation where you're, you know, really uh, struggling at work and, and you, you hate the situation there, you, you want out, you just move job. Fighting to stay in the same workplace is not done anymore, really. Yeah, I, I think that's quite an interesting kind of like thing you you, you mentioned there because um, one of the things I did want to kind of like talk about was my own kind of like not so much experience with unions or the, but basically the lack of experience with mm. with, with unions and that I've spent pretty much my entirety of, of of my career working for small businesses in 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 the grand scheme of things. You know, I think the the largest I've worked for had sixty odd people probably so it's not not a huge huge business uh, uh, what, what i found that's fascinating especially kind of like when i've been working for the for the past like six seven years working in like marketing agencies where the vast majority of people i work with are my kind of age maybe a little bit older but still largely millennials people younger than me and yet and a lot of them are left wing a lot of them are pro union in terms of like if, if it came down to came down to it but not one of us has ever joined one. Mm. And, and I do think you're probably, it's interesting what you talk about there, that kind of, because we just move on, like there is no necessity for us to, like, as you say, kind of like hunker down and fight for whatever it is we want. Because for the most part, for us in particular, there there's always almost always another opportunity just, mm. just down the road. In some cases, literally just opposite the road. Like I, I worked in the jewelry quarter where there are dozens of marketing agencies. I literally could have probably knocked on somebody's door and said, Hello, I'm very good at my job. Here's the proof. 
would you like to interview me? And actually, I probably would have probably, if I'd done it, done it enough, could have actually gotten a, an interview with somebody. Mm. Like my skill set is pretty, pretty sought after. Um, so it, it's really interesting that you kind of bring that up because that does seem to kind of like align quite nicely with 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 my own personal experiences. But I also think there's there's another little thing there, and that like you brought up like the de- the decline of match manufacturing in terms of like the percentage of the overall workforce. Like one of my things that I've I, I always find really really aggravating when uh, when it comes to political discussions is we always talk about how we don't make things anymore. You know, we mm. like and and broadly speaking that's nonsense we make tons of things in this country it's just that what we don't do is build as many cars we don't build as many kind of like physical things necessarily Mm. but what we do build are video games we have a very good video game industry we make video games in this country we make a lot of websites we make a lot of things which are like things that still require a lot of skill and a lot of thing and a lot of work to get done a lot of like code programming all of those sorts of things um and they are kind of ignored but i think Mm. this kind of links into kind of like that decline of unionism as well because a lot of trade unions are obviously going to be focused on those i'm going to use use social grades here just as a nice little kind of broad benchmark it's it's like it's not great but you know um you know there would have been like e d c2 a lot of the sorts of things that we make these days are done by people like me who are C1. Mm-hmm. And as a result of that, we're the ones with a lot more kind of, as I say, I can go over here, I can go over here, I can go over here. Um, and as kind of like more and more people get into those sorts of fields where there's a lot more kind of freedom to kind of mm-hmm. like work wherever, um, there's maybe as you said, that's kind of feeds into that notion of there's less need for a union in in the workplace, and as such, you get people who are pro union broadly, just never thinking to to join one. Yeah, and you also find so I mean I'll I'll sort of bring my own experience in. You know, um, before I was doing my PhD, I worked in a call center for um, doing property maintenance calls for a, a residential lettings company. Now I was in a union. Um, I won't say which union because I'm not going to come out of this well. Uh, it's not the union I'm in, I'm in now. Um, but um, I was the only person in there ever that had been in a union. Now, that workplace had a 114% annual turnover. Right, Most people did not last a year. The one t- So I, w- I was in a union because both my parents are trade unionists. I was raised, you will join a union. Uh, so I did. And I enjoyed joined a union the day, the day I got a job. I ended up in a situation with a bad boss who was quite vindictive, and I ended up uh, with them saying to me, "You need to come in here." And I said, "Is that?" At this point, I just had enough, so I'd spoken to my mom, who was a shop steward of many years standing, um, who had said, "Right, if it's a formal disciplinary, they need to give you three days' notice so you can get your union lawyer." So I said, "Is this a formal disciplinary?" And they said. What? And I said, if it's a formal disciplinary, I need three days notice so that my trade union lawyer can be present with me. And they shut themselves because they had no idea what to do. And in the end, I got moved teams. Um, uh, but I was in a lot of ways bluffing because I've been trying to contact the union for two weeks and I'd not had a single reply. When I phoned, I said, oh, yeah, we'll get back to you. And they didn't reply to emails because I was the only employee in a call center. I don't suppose they had any idea which branch of the 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 union to put me in call center for property maintenance services and um you know and 
there was no rep. There was no one for me to talk to. They didn't know what to do with me, so they just ignored me. And you know, if I, I did think, what the hell am I paying my subs for? And I moved, moved to my current union, which is GMP. But again, um, you know, at the moment I'm very lucky. I've got, I'm in a workplace with a really good boss and a really happy atmosphere. But you know, I don't have a rep. Um, I'm the only person in the GMB in my my office. My the only other person in the office in a union, as far as I know, is the boss because he's an old school union man like me. Um, and as as an ideological thing, he's joined. He's in a union. You know, what, why would you pay your subs if you've not got that ideological commitment? If you know the one time you do need them, nobody answers your calls or or your emails. So you know there is that, and but that also speaks to the fact that we are desperate for trade unions in this country. We are absolutely desperate for them. You know, the the GMB is doing some really good things with um, the gig economy um, and a couple of the others as well, you know, but it's it's still drops in the ocean for a lot of the gig economy. You don't get paid what you deserve. You get paid what you negotiate. And you need a union on your side to do that in a lot of cases, uh, particularly in the, these sort of gig economy jobs where they're used to having over 100% turnover and they don't really care. Um, and you can tell they don't care because they have an employee of the month scheme to prove they care, which just shows how much they don't care. You know, we, we're desperate to get unions because there is no there is no discernible reason why flipping burgers should be paid less than hammering the same rivet into a ship did 50 years ago. Right. It's both our monotonous physical labor. Both could have the same level of income and the reason that someone flipping burgers in a fast food chain doesn't is because they don't have a union on their side to negotiate with them and you know if you want to get fired at mcdonald's talk about a union you'll be out of there so bloody fast um so we're desperate for them but we people don't see the reason why they should actually in the early stages of doing a piece of research for feps foundation of european progressive studies um, on the future of trade unions in, in Europe. I'm interested in looking at the model of actually the medical royal colleges as a potential model for how trade unions could function in the future. Now, this is very, very early in the process. Um, I'm not a trade union official. I never have been. Um, I say that the trade unions form quite a large part of my PhD work. Um, so I'm a kind of uh, interested and, and sort of semi-knowledgeable observer. Um you know, you need someone like Lewis Minkin for this, really, who, who recently passed away. Um, and, but the the way the medical royal colleges work is they are a combination of trade union and professional body. Um, and they certify people. You know, I, I work for one of the medical royal colleges and we certify that these individuals are qualified to treat patients. And I think something like that, something where you're... Um, professional accreditations or your upskilling basically is in the hands of the union so the union can turn around to employees and say if you join the union we will upskill you we will make your skill base more marketable and better so that you can earn a better living and then the unions can turn around to their employers and say look you might have to pay more for our guys but actually they're not the cheapest but they're the best value for money because we've taken care of doing those skills and we will certify that their work is of a required standard and i think that might be a you know the old guilds model essentially is what it is and that's a way of doing that but to do that you need specialist unions you know you, you it's not a job that can be done necessarily by huge cross industry unions um, at least not without a very large level of kind of devolved decision-making down to the individual parts of that. That, I think, is possibly where the future is going. So that instead of controlling workplaces, you're controlling work people. 
um, or workers. Yeah, that's that, that's quite interesting because one of the things that I, I found, like, and I'm sure this has obviously probably come up on, on previous um, things, but I, I, I work in digital marketing. I, at one point, I did try and work out which union should I join if I was going to try and try and do this. Just I, I think I did it more as like a almost like a thought exercise, mm-hmm. and it's like, well, I could join one of the general ones, but it's like like Unite, GMB, I think Unison, Unity, yeah, but Unison's public sector, but yeah. Unity. Yeah, but it was very much just like, okay, look at all of them. And it's just like, well, they don't really like, don't really get what I do or, or anything like that. Looking into it, I, I found something online, which was basically kind of, I think it was like on the TUC website. So it was like at least semi-official. It was pretty much the trade union equivalent of a BuzzFeed quiz of which yeah. trade union should you join? <laughs> and, it, and it spat out the NUJ, the National Union of Journalists for me. And I looked at it and went, I mean, okay, in terms of digital stuff, they probably are one of the, the better ones for it. But it's also like I'm not a journalist, like, mm. and, and it just did not feel like a, a, a good fit. So like, I, I was never going to join that just as a result. So yeah, that the fact that you have this, like, certainly I think for for for, for professionals, and I think this is where 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 to a degree where one of the the interesting things is like, it almost feels to me that whilst yes, actually a lot of the kind of the main work that needs to be done by unions is, as you say, it's, it's for people working in uh, in McDonald's, flipping hamburgers, all, all of that kind of stuff. They're the people that are actually, you know, getting abused by the system a lot more so than than me. But the it almost feels like in order for us to get to the point where they can actually organise effectively, we need to actually unionise professionals mm-hmm. as, a, as like a stepping stone to that. And until you start doing that, like the rest of it's just going to be like irrelevant because as, as, as you say, there are, you know, talk about union unionization in a McDonald's, you are, you're going to get, <laughs> you're probably going to find yourself uh, not necessarily out of a job directly, but like it's yeah. more or less. Yeah. Yeah. And as the, close to constructive dismissal as the law will allow without actually falling afoul of it, essentially is what I think what will happen. Yeah, it, it, 100%. You'll suddenly find that you get given a lot less leeway than everybody else. Uh, and suddenly those three written and verbal warnings or whatever it is you need will be found very, very quickly. Yeah, so I, I do almost feel like that there is just this this, this, this almost like paradox where in order to, to improve things across the, the medium to the long term, in the short term, we need to be looking at people who don't necessarily need it as much. And I don't know if that's necessarily accurate but that, that to me seems to be almost like where where you need because especially when you talk about like that guild model that, that you were discussing mm. there that 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 would be perfect for someone like me mm-hmm. yeah i think the guild model is definitely more same more i guess at professionals than um than necessarily gig economy workers but i think i think possibly you're right i'm i'm sort of almost loath to say it because you know the people that do really really need it are are in that gig economy at this stage you need the unions to almost prove they're relevant again in some cases they are doing that you know they're doing that with what gmb is doing and others are doing with um uber and with amazon you know they are out there doing that it's still not necessarily mainstream i think that needs to carry on and you do need to to start being relevant across the piece really i think the unions are sort of going to be here to stay in, in a lot of the public sector but they've, they've got a lot of work to do to become relevant in other areas another area that would be would be massive would be um unionizing the self-employed 
Now, in that sense, you know, you're probably looking more at things like upskilling potentially, but also things like schemes to allow them to save for holiday pay and sick, you know, statutory sick pay, pensions, uh, rainy day funds, essentially, um, of different types. But, you know, there are now more self-employed people in the UK than there are public sector workers. It's a sector that if you want to be relevant to most workers, you've got to go there. And a huge number of the sort of manual skills trades, if you look at the GMB, General Newcastle and Boilermakers, I mean, pretty much most of the gas engineers now are either British gas or, or they're self-employed or business owners, small business owners. You've got to attract that kind of people and you've got to figure out how you do it, what they want and how you can provide it. Yeah, and I think you've probably kind of touched on to, to like uh, one of the points I did want to kind of bring up on this is like, t- to me, it almost feels like the the unions are almost kind of going through the same kind of problem that the Labour Party is as a whole in that it's lost touch with the working class in a, in a number of different ways. Um, I think it's, it's two separate issues. Labour's problem is obviously kind of like electoral politically whilst you, the unions is a, is, is a different note different notion mm. um, and there are different like there's, there's similar currents to it but it's not the exact same thing you don't solve one by solving the other you, you ideally need to solve both but the unions don't seem like you say that there is some good work happening with like uber drivers and gmb and i think there's been some quite good successes on that re- relatively recently mm-hmm. as well but i believe uber drivers are now cl- uh, legally as a result of court rulings classed as um employees, employees. Some form, yeah. um yeah. which is obviously, that's huge actually. yeah it's a, a massive kind of uh, step forward somebody just randomly rooms past my window on a motorbike um <laughs> organ donuts you've got to love them <laughs> but so you've got that good work going on but it just it really does seem that so much of the unions just aren't talking to those those gig economies or like uh, to, to go back to like claire ainsley's work in in, in the new working class the, the that 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 new class of people who are not necessarily your traditional working class as we would uh, you know envisage envisage them but are absolutely like the most precarious early situated in society there's the start of work happening there from certain unions i would say but for for others it seems to be missing um, and so on. there's a small part of me which kind of just wonders if there's if that disjunction between like what they should be doing to reach out and what they are doing is that down to like a failure of leadership with 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 some of the unions at the moment because one of the mm. things that's always when you think about the trade unions in 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 the UK they are even though not all of them are actively linked to the Labour Party that's what people think about it's like the unions mm. and the Labour are like hand in hand interlocked. And, and so certainly some of the biggest unions have become focused on more internal labor battles and, and, and things like that. And as a result of that, you, you almost have this, the, the, maybe the leadership there having different focuses has resulted in a lack of movement forward and for, for those unions in areas where they should be, should be working. Yeah, I, th- I think in some respects, what you've got is a very patchy record. I think some of the stuff that... Uh, you know, the, the Uber cult ruling, um, some of the stuff that GMB is doing, Amazon warehouses is very relevant and it's the start of stuff. It's early days, but they're, they're sort of dipping the toes in that water. And some of these, some of the unions are doing a good job in that, but I think others are lagging. I think, um, I mean, that, that's sort of not been about the bush really. I think Unite is, is 
an issue. And I think the issue with Unite is is around leadership. You know, the reason that Unite is no longer the biggest union in the country is because Len McCluskey is more interested in running the Labour Party than he is in running a trade union. Um, quite frankly, and and um, you know, unless and until you know, if you if, if you sort of elect some of his lieutenants um, that are going to carry on that way, then then that's going to that's going to carry on to the detriment of the union and to the detriment of workers. Um, you know, I think Unison is actually doing um, doing very well and doing very uh, good things, partly because they're a public sector union, so they're they're to some extent. Um, still working in a field where it is expected that you will join a union, but they're doing a huge amount. You know, they've overtaken Unite now as, as the, the biggest union in the country, and again, there's a reason for that. You know, people will vote with their feet if they like what you're doing, they'll they'll join. Some unions more militant. Um, PCS, for example, very militant union, but the reason they're militant is because their members are being absolutely hammered, um, you know, and have been for some time. You know, so they're, they're sort of been pushed into that so you know there's there's reasons why the, these unions are the way they are in a lot of cases the union movement and the labor party are inextricably linked that has been under strain actually in the last five years corbynites booing the unions on the conference floor i mean good god so it's the labor party um you know i was i was shocked and horrified when that when that happened to some extent they do rise and fall alongside each other there has been a a long decline in unions across the world you know this is not a uniquely british problem um but i do hope that actually they want they they will start to recover because as i say they are more needed now than they have been you know since the days of the cotton mills in manchester and you know um the early days of the labor movement they they really are you know we desperately desperately need trade unions um and i'm hopeful you know the 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 things that the gmb is doing the things that um other unions are doing around you know trying at least they're trying you know they've they, they might not have got the answers yet but they've figured out what the question is around the gig economy and and how you protect workers in that situation and um you know uh, e-reps things like that you know they're trying things and sooner or later you know it's a case of trial and error we will start to or unions will start to find things that work ways of protecting workers and and becoming more relevant again it's just um but it, it's you know it's been a generational shift and and to some extent you know i think that's that's largely because a lot of the people at the top of the unions now when they were on the shop floor that that model worked um you know or or they were only just sort of uh, only just left the situation where that control of workplace model did work um to so say you know you go back to the early 80s which is about 40 years ago now but if you were in your 20s then and you're in your 60s now and you're at the top of the leadership of a union that's when you were working and that, then you did have over 50 percent trade union density in this country so um you know i think I think there, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm sanguine. I'm more hopeful, perhaps, than I should be about uh, about the future of the trade unions. Yeah, I'm a little less um, optimistic. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm going to take Corey's uh, normal role of, of, of pessimism as much as, as like I, I think the the, the unions are, are, are needed um, to, to deal with so many of the issues that that, that are facing um, this the, the country. Um, and, and not just like the work, the new working class, just like the country in general across a, a myriad of different political uh, things running, running across everything from, you know, workers' rights to right the way up to global climate, climate change, all of those things that unions can and should and will 
be a part of that the the, the solution in that in, in in some form my impression is that there's a, a massive kind of like image problem with a lot of the unions largely as the result of people like Len McCloskey and people remembering things from the 80s which leads you to uh, people not understanding how difficult their position is um, in, in a number of ways so like one of the, the 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 few bits of research that I was able to find online was uh, looking at um, the percentages for um, kind of like how easy people thought it should be for unions to strike unsurprisingly don't know made up the biggest section of about 27 percent um, after that it was 19 percent thought it should be made harder for unions to strike 18% thought it should be made easier and 34% thought that it was about right. So broadly speaking, that means over 50% of people um, think that it's either about right or should be made harder for unions to, to strike. It, and this is despite the fact that there have recently been, uh, you know, rafts of legislation that were brought under, I think it was under Cameron, um, uh, uh, which uh, are kind of like just anti-union laws just designed to 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 to, to make uh, make um their their lot the, as organizations their lives a lot more difficult like and holding them to standards that we don't even hold public elected officials to mm. so you have that and and, and people are, are fine with that because the the image that people have of trade unions is union barons and i think yeah. a lot of that is also to, to be honest partisanship right i mean in this country you know that the unions and the labor party are mixed if you're a hardcore tory or, or ukipper or whatever you go ah, unions bad and therefore it must be hard for them to strike because bash the unions or whatever um you know if you're on the left you think unions are fantastic we must make it easier for them to strike because they're fantastic bluntly i think a lot of people who went it's about right kind of go i've not been particularly inconvenienced by a strike recently i don't particularly want to go on strike myself doesn't really make much difference to me yeah sounds about right though let's just tick that box um you know i'm not sure that uh, all those respondents are actually uh up to speed on those you know cameron reforms or anything like that um you know i, th I think it's more of a um it's it's a case of of where they know unions at all a lot of it will be about len mccluskey and and the negatives um i think some of that is frankly the behavior of, of mccluskey and others um uh, around him but also i think the you know we do have a right-wing press predominantly in this country and they will seize upon anything and everything to um uh to try and discredit the the union movement now sometimes that is perfectly valid um you look at the you know the the, the stuff in the press about the uh unite conference and hotel facility in birmingham um and that's the absolutely obscene skyrocketing of the costs there um and some of it, frankly, is not fair. You know, some of it is warped and twisted um, to suit their agenda. And, and that is the case. That's always been the case. That's been the case, you know, for as long as there have been trade unions. I think for most people, what what you need to do is, is a long, hard grinding slog of convincing people one by one. It's having good trade union reps in workplaces who can show people that actually this is how your life can be improved is by joining a union and by cooperating with the union um, and by paying attention um, to, to what's going on. I mean, I, I, when I was doing my PhD, I was also in UCU and I got very fed up of UCU. I had a really good local rep actually, but I got more and more, you know, they seem to be incredibly 
um, focused on pensions um, for older members, which I could understand. But I was expected to, to go out on strike while people who were getting those pensions that were frankly never going to happen for me were crossing the picket line and the union didn't seem to care about the fact that I couldn't get a job, you know, or that, you know, to, to get a job, I would need outside funding of some sort, family money of some sort and the casualization and, and all of this sort of stuff that they paid lip service to it. But what they got out and strike for several times while I was uh, doing my PhD was, was pensions. Um, and I'm not saying that pensions aren't important. Of course they are. But I'm saying that, you know, if you want to to bring in younger workers and, and secure that pipeline, you've got to listen to what their concerns were. And I genuinely, very strongly felt that UCU weren't listening to those concerns. Um, so, you know, uh, when I when I stopped being a PhD and I didn't get it for free anymore, I just left. Although um, I do still get emails from them. But, you know, it's it's a case of of having those good reps listening to what it is that your workers and your members want and delivering it and giving people a reason to say, actually, that's really good. And then you're down the canteen or you're around the water cooler, if you want to be, you know, stereotypical about this. And, and you say to your, you know, someone saying, oh, you know, blah, 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 I wish I could do this course or, um, you know, or I'm, I'm a bit of, having a bit of problem with, uh, with my boss over here. You say, ah, I've got a solution for that. But it is, it's long, slow, hard work. There is no silver bullet on this. It's good union reps doing it person by person yeah um, I, I think you're yeah. you're 100 right with that um there is no silver bullet it is just going to be a case of the, the unions reorganizing themselves in some capacity so that they can get in more places reach out to more people um and as you say some of the unions are starting to get there and starting to do it um others hopefully in the near future will will be getting on board that as well but un, until then it's it it, it does it becomes one of those little things where if, if you can, you probably should um, join. And, uh, and and that goes for someone like me. Like it's one of the things I keep on looking mm. at every now and again, and then I never quite get around to it. And, and I really should get around to it in, in some form. Mm. Um, but yeah, so so on that note of self-reflection on, on, on <laughs> my half, uh, I think we'll probably uh, end the episode there. Um, once again, I struggle to remember all of the end bits uh, that Corey normally does. So, uh if you want to read up more on us and kind of like catch up on various other bits and pieces uh, that we put out you can head over to notenoughchampagne.com um you can follow us on facebook.com slash notenoughchampagne you can follow us on twitter at no champagne pod uh you can also head over to patreon where you can throw us a few quid uh, every month for uh, at patreon.com slash not enough champagne to become one of our backers over there where you will uh, receive access to unique content uh, early access to episodes we don't put out anywhere else uh, everything that we we earn from that goes towards running the podcast and shortly uh, a t-shirt <laughs> i'm not going to be happy until there's a t-shirt <laughs> Steve. Uh, well, well, now we know what to get you for christmas <laughs> uh, i'm steve haynes uh, you can follow me online at acoustic radical on twitter and I'm uh, Luke John Davies. You can follow me on at LJD Labour. Happy plotting. <laughs>